My name's uh, Rhiannon, a part of the team here, thank you. And uh, we're carrying on the series today uh, called You Asked. And I feel I need to say it's not you asked, it's you asked. Because uh, uh, there's a few people that are going, no, 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 no. But you notice as well, I've noticed recently, we sing Northern as well. We always say path, ask, answers, it's answers. Anyway, so the series is You Asked, okay? First that talk properly. Um, anyway, so this series is a really exciting series because uh, we're... It's really eclectic. If you look at all the different questions, it looks quite random, potentially. And that's because we've basically just taken the questions you've asked us and we've decided that we're going to answer them. And so last week, Jeff did a, a talk uh, about the Old Testament God, if you like, versus the New Testament God. And, and how can that marry? Because sometimes uh, in the Old Testament, it seems that God is full of wrath and anger. And yet we find a God of love with Jesus in the New Testament. So how can that marry up? And uh, it was quite a theological uh, uh, preach, but it was really, really uh, amazing. And I know for a lot of people, unlocked something in them. And actually, Quite a few people responded to Jesus for the first time last week, which was amazing. Not that you guys seem that impressed with that, but a lot of people, we had, I think, six people responded for the first time to, to Jesus. And we're going to look at a question that somebody has submitted called, how do I serve God in my workplace? And on the surface of it, you might think, oh, that's a really practical question. And I'm going to give you some practical things uh, to answer that. But actually, this question also has a lot of theology behind it. Because really, what this question gets at is it gets at who we are in Christ. It gets at what our purpose is be it on earth. It talks a little bit about our theology of work. And so really, it's, it's quite a broad question. And we're going to pick it apart today. We're going to approach it. I, I kind of approach most of my sermons exactly as I would approach writing an essay. I used to love writing essays because uh, you didn't always have to have quite the right answer, but you could make it sound like you knew exactly what you were talking about. I'd much prefer writing an essay than doing maths and stuff like that. So we're going to pick this apart and hopefully we'll put it back together again and you'll have a bit more of an understanding about what I believe God talks about with regards to the workplace. But in order to really answer this question, see, I, I kind of, please, if you wrote this question, don't take this personally. I, I kind of think it's slightly the wrong question. Because what it's getting at is it's getting at the, the end point. It's saying the action. It's saying kind of what do I do in my workplace to serve God? But I would imagine that there's some of you here that are thinking, well, why do I even want to serve God in the first place? Maybe you're fairly new to church. You've not been coming for many weeks. And the idea of serving anyone beyond yourself and maybe your friends and family seems a bit weird. Serving God? Why do I want to do that for? What I want us to look at, before we look at the how, how we serve God in our workplace, we've got to get in our heads sorted the why. And that's what I want us to step a little bit back about. Let's get a bit of a context to this so we can come at the how with a clear understanding of the why. So I want us to, to dive right in. I want you to open your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. And there's this portion of scripture, just a few verses. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. 
You know, sometimes we can think worship is just about singing songs together. No, the Bible tells us that it's presenting our lives as a living sacrifice that is our true and proper act of worship. Songs come into it, but it's about our heart more than anything. Do not be conform, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. That scripture starts with this word, therefore. And I think that's a really interesting word because so often as Christians, we have read that and we thought, right, okay, I've got to do stuff for God. But the key in that verse is therefore. You see, the thing is, we serve because of everything that comes before. Therefore, kind of, if you think about maths, if you've done maths, you do your little three triangle dots, you know, this equals that. Therefore, we can prove that that is this. Therefore comes after something. And basically everything that follows therefore can only follow therefore because of the stuff that has come before. And so what we need to understand is when this verse comes here, it follows after all that's been said in chapter 11, which goes on and says things like the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments, who's known the mind of God. And, and then it says, because of who God is, therefore offer yourselves as living sacrifices to God. We don't want to serve God to curry favour with him. We don't want to serve God because we want him to notice us more, to give us more attention or to atone for stuff. We serve God because of what he has done for us. There's a therefore in our lives. Because of all that he has done, I am so grateful. I cannot help but want to serve him. Therefore. It goes on to say, doesn't it, in this scripture, that it says, offer your bodies I think that's really interesting. It doesn't say, offer your spiritual life. It doesn't say, offer your family life. It doesn't say, offer your work life. It says, offer your bodies. Offer your bodies. And in my ripe old age, I have realized that wherever my body is, whether I like it or not, there is the rest of me. I wish I could split myself up sometimes. How many of you feel like that? That you could send one bit of you that way, one bit of you that way to get double the work done. But wherever my body is, there is me. And so in here, we see God is talking to somebody who is whole. He's saying, I don't want just a little bit of you. I don't want just your religious part. I don't want your faith part. I don't, I don't want your, your spiritual life. I want you. I want your body. I want all of you because when I've got all of you, then I can use you. Deuteronomy 28, we, we say it quite a lot because it's a beautiful scripture. It says, if we honor God, here's where we'll be blessed. And the reason why I love it is because basically God just wants to bless us everywhere. He says, I'll bless you if you're in the country. I'll bless you if you're in the town. I'll bless you when you come out. I'll bless you when you come in. I'll bless you not because of where you are, but because of your condition, of your heart, because you've decided that you're going to put me first. Don't you just love that, that God doesn't compartmentalize his blessings? Even though we compartmentalize our lives sometimes, God doesn't do that with his blessing. And that's why we find this scripture when he says, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. See, the problem is sometimes we have a disconnect in our lives. And you might be sitting here on Sunday thinking, oh, that's well and good, but Monday looks very different from your Sunday. 
I don't know what your Monday looks like. My Monday looks very different from my Sunday. My Monday will not involve any of this. My Monday will be going to uh, our village's mums and tots and, and changing dirty nappies and having copious amounts of tea and talking to people. And it will look very different from this. Your Monday might look like work. Your Monday might look like a stay-at-home mum. Your Monday might look like you're retired. Maybe you go to college on Monday. Your Monday perhaps doesn't look anything like your Sunday. And what happens is that we feel that there's a real disconnect. Because we come on Sunday, we learn all this great stuff. We know we've got to go out and live it. And yet we come to Monday and it, how? How do we do that? And I wonder if that question that somebody has submitted came because they felt that disconnect. Because inside them, they want to do something for God, but they don't know how to do it Monday through Friday and Saturday. Because Sunday feels so different from the rest of their week. But I really believe that in this verse that we've just looked at briefly, Romans 12, are some real keys to how we can start to understand what the right thing to do is. See, it says here, doesn't it, <clears throat> that basically, to sum up this, these verses... God has done all this amazing stuff for us. Therefore, we want to worship him. And as we worship, as we gaze on Jesus, as we spend time with God, our minds start to transform. We change the way that we think. And here's the key. When we change the way that we think, when we're transformed in the way that we think, then we know what to do. See, the question, how do I serve God in our workplace, is all about what do I do? But if we want to truly know what to do, then we've got to worship and we've got to start to change our minds. We've got to start to change our minds. So I just want to talk about a couple of areas that I think will help us bridge the gap from Sunday to Monday. And it's all to do with changing our minds. And the first thing that I want you to think about is you need to change your mind about yourself. You need to change your mind about yourself. See, 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, you are the body of Christ. Each one of you is a part of it. See, we've got an old way of thinking. When we think of our lives in different compartments and different roles, when we think I'm a mum, you know, I'm a wife, I'm a daughter, I'm a sister, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm into fitness, I'm, this is theoretical. Um, <laughs> I'm just, you know, I like doing uh, cooking or, or whatever, that you've, all the other roles that you've got. We, we, we put ourselves in all these different roles and then within it, there's, oh, and, and, you know, I started going to church and heard about Jesus. So now I've got my faith part. I'm also a Christian. And, and it sounds like it's just another part of our lives. And I vote for this political party and I believe in recycling and all the, it's just, it kind of just becomes another thing that we do and another thing that we fit into our lives. But in Romans 12, it says we're supposed to be transformed in the way that we think. It's not just adding a little bit extra onto our lives. It's supposed to change everything about our lives. We've got this old way of thinking that we've got to start to replace with a new way of thinking. And here's what I think the new way of thinking needs to look like in our lives for us to know what to do. Jeff talked about the Old Testament <clears throat> quite a lot last week. And the thing that always strikes me whenever I look at the Old Testament is that there's a God in the Old Testament who is desperate to get to know his people. Because the Bible tells us that you and I are created in the image of God. Created in the image of God. There's an old song by a guy called Stephen Curtis Chapman who says, I can see the fingerprints of God all over you. 
That's an incredible thought, isn't it? That every single person we walk past is made in the image of God and has something unique about them, a fingerprint of God on them. And so right the way through the Bible, we see that God wants a relationship with those that he created. You know, those of you that are parents will know you want a relationship with your children because they're part of you. You want to know them. You know, our, our, our little girl is 19 months and she's just becoming a real character. She walked into our kitchen. This is quite worrying, really. I don't know whether we need to get a therapy or not, really. She walked in and uh, my sister-in-law is about to have a baby any day now. She'd shoved her doll up her T-shirt and she went, I'm pregnant. Like this. She said, this is baby Harris. And we were kind of, this is funny, also slightly worrying. Um, <laughs> let's hope she's, yeah, anyway. But She's funny. We want to get to know her because I want, we want to see what comes out of her. God is exactly the same with us. He wants to get to know us. And in the Old Testament, he wanted to have a relationship with his people. And we see that the way that these people could have a relationship with him was, to be honest, quite convoluted. The, the Old Testament talks about law and it talks about having to make sacrifices to atone for the guilt, for the bad choices that we've made that have gone in the way between us and God for the sin that's another word that just means kind of making wrong decisions and stuff that takes us away from God rather than to God. And so the Old Testament is full of the law and how you know certain priests could go into the most holy place within the temple and not everybody could make uh, that journey in and it was exclusive for some people and, and it's just quite a convoluted way. And the Bible talks about the fact that the temple was where the presence of God was. But then Jesus came. And here's the key. This is a new way. Because then we see Jesus came. And what happened was Jesus, because he was fully God, came to earth. He was able to take all our shame. He was able to take all our guilt. He was able to take all our condemnation. Everything that weighs us down. Everything that gets in the way. And when he died on the cross, he conquered it all. Once and for all. We don't need to keep bringing lambs for sacrifice. Because Jesus has done it all. When he died, he paid the price. But the good thing is he's not dead and he didn't stay on that cross. He rose again. And so that means that we don't just have a past dealt with, but we've got a future hope to look forward to. It means that God says, Do you know what? I can be with you today. Do you know what it means? It means that the presence of God is not in a temple, but the presence becomes in us. That's what it means when Jesus died and rose again. It meant that his presence could become within us. Now, as we've said in 1 Corinthians already, you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. You are a presence carrier. You are a presence carrier. And one of the things that we've got to do is change our minds about the way that we see our lives and realize that this disconnect is an artificial disconnect that we have put into, into things. It's an old way of thinking. The Bible calls it a worldly way of thinking. When we come to Jesus, it changes the way we think and we see things as they were supposed to be, which is that you and I, if we love Jesus and we've asked Jesus to be the Lord of our lives, then we are a presence carrier. Suddenly, it doesn't matter where you are because the common denominator, whether you're here on a Sunday, whether you're changing a nappy tomorrow, whether you're at work, whatever you're doing, the common denominator is you. You are the common thread for all of the aspects of your life. You might feel like you're juggling so many different balls and that feels so different from that and feels so distant from that. Well, hey, let me tell you, 
you're the common thread. You're the common denominator. When you step into that job on Monday, you carry the presence of God because you're a presence carrier. And that means if you're carrying the presence of God into a place, it's going to change. Because when God turns up, things do change. So often we don't understand the power that we have. We don't understand truly who we are because we've got this old way of thinking. We've got this old way of thinking and quite often it's making us stressed. It's making us weary. It's making us worn out on life. But God's like, you're a presence carrier. We've got to change the way we think about ourselves. Not only do we need to do that. See, when we understand who God is and what he's done for us and we start to have a better grasp of who we are that we're presence carriers then we can begin to change the way that we do things we can change our how the question that we got asked was how do I serve God in my workplace which as I said is very action orientated but we can start to approach that now because we've got ourselves sorted. We've got our why sorted. We know that we're presence carriers. So the next thing that we need to do is we need to look at how we change our now. Change your now. You see, in Matthew 6, it says, don't worry about tomorrow for today has enough trouble of its own. Now is all that we have. It's all that we've got. This moment right now is all that we're guaranteed of. It's all that we have. And the problem when we compartmentalize our lives and we have so many different roles is we're in danger of missing now because we've always got our mind on something else that we're not actually present in the now. We're thinking about this or, you know, how many of you have been at one place and you're thinking, oh, go on, finish your conversation because I've got something else to do. I need to get on with it. You know, is that just me? Yeah, maybe. Deathly silence. Obviously, you guys are much better at it than me, but we get so obsessed with everything else that we can miss our now. Brian Houston says, what's in your hand? Because what's in your hand right now, that's the platform to your future. What's in your now right now is the pathway into your future. The problem is so often we look at our now and we don't really like it very much. It doesn't look like we want it to look. So we'll look at other people's nows and we'll go, gosh, that's a really good now. If I had a bit of that now in my now, I would do so well. That's a really good now. I mean, I've got, look at that. What can I do with that? I've only got a few hours. I've only got this. I've only got that. Or we look ahead and go, I tell you what, if I got this sorted, then maybe my now would be much more interesting. Or I wish this, if only that. God doesn't want your if onlys. He asks for your now. He asked, what have you got now in your hand that I could possibly use? Because that's what he has got to use and that's what he will use. What's in your now? What's in your now? See, when we realize that we're a presence carrier, it can start to transform our now. Because here's the key. Whether your now is the workplace, whether your now is the home, whether your now is college or school, whatever, or uni, when you understand you're a presence carrier in that now, then you will become a culture changer. Because you can't have somebody carrying the presence of God into an environment without changing the culture. A presence carrier will become a culture changer. Do you see how Romans 12, we start to understand who God is. We start to understand what he's done for us. We worship, we change our mind, and then we start to know what to do. Yeah, when you start to change who you are, you'll start to change the environment around you. Because presence carriers become culture changers. So what does your now look like for you? 
Steve and I have um, been struggling with um, our backs recently. And last week we had a meeting in between the services and Steve was on, on the sofa and we were chatting and I said, you need to go and see my osteopath. She's really good. She'll get you sorted. No time at all. So, so he went on the Monday and then I went to see her on the Tuesday and she thanked me for the recommendation. Didn't give me any money. I was hoping for a little discount, but no, anyway. So, um, and then she, she got me in this really weird position as they do if you've ever been to an osteopath, clicking, clicking away at my back and uh, telling me to breathe deeply when, you know, that's the last thing you want to do. You're just worried that you're going to break your back. Um, and she started talking. She, knew, she knows I'm a Christian. She knows that I work for um, church and things. And we were just chatting away. And she said, there is something about you and Steve. She said, there's a lightness about you. And I thought, lightness? I feel anything but light right now. I feel like I'm about to, to, to go in a position I sh I'll never get back out of. Um, but she said, there's just something about you. And I came away, and I want you to hear this. I don't think it's anything about me and Steve. Um, well, I can speak for me. I can't speak for Steve. Maybe he was a lot holier than I was. But I just thought, what was it about that? And then I thought about what I'm preaching about this week. It's because we carry the presence of God. It's not about us. It's about who lives in us. It's about who lives in us. And you see, the thing is, when you become a presence carrier and you change the way you think, what you think is normal is not normal for other people. And so I thought, what have I done that's different? I haven't done anything that's different. Nothing. I couldn't think of anything. But just maybe your normal is not somebody else's normal. I wondered whether it's because maybe I didn't swear when she was doing something that was really painful. I was trying to think what it was that made it different. But there was something in our normal with Steve and myself that she said, oh, there's just something a bit different there. You see, you now could involve something really mundane like going to the osteopath but you're a presence carrier in that moment. There's no disconnect. You're the common thread. You're the person that goes from one place to another in your life. You carry God with you in that moment. What if your now contains a lot of work? What if your now contains a lot of work? I've just got a few practical things for you to think about. Colossians 3.23 says this, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. You know, sometimes we can have another disconnect creeping in our lives. We can have a disconnect between people who work for church and people who don't work for church. Sometimes we use this phrase, oh, you're in the ministry, you're in the full-time ministry, or you work for church. But, but we can see that that is something, again, that we have just put in place. The Bible doesn't talk about that. The Bible says, whatever you do, you do it unto the Lord. You know, I do work for church now, but more, most of my working life has been in the NHS as a doctor. And I don't actually feel like it's any different now. You know, I had lots of different bosses whilst I was there. Some were great and very easy to work with. Some were not as easy to work with. But I didn't work for them. You know, obviously I respected them and I honoured them and did what I was told as long as it didn't go against what I felt was personal conviction. But ultimately I worked for God. I did it for Jesus. I don't know what jobs you do. I don't know what workplaces you're in. And maybe you haven't got a job that brings money in, but whatever work your hands find to do, you don't have to do it for your boss, you do it for Jesus. Which means we're all the same. 
It doesn't matter who is here. It doesn't matter whether you're on staff here or not. It it makes no difference. The Bible doesn't distinguish because we do it all for Christ. It's all for Christ. So let's leave that label aside. It's not helpful for us at all. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. It's the Lord Christ you're serving. So if now's all we've got, what are we going to do with the now when we are in the workplace? Well, I've got just a few really practical things if your now is full of a lot of work that I think if you put some of these in place as a presence carrier, you will start to see the culture of your work change. These are pretty practical. The first thing, actually perhaps doesn't sound that practical, but, but try and be creative. Try and imagine, what if Jesus was in this workplace? What would he do differently? Because here's the key, guys. He is in the workplace because you're there. So what would he do differently? What could you imagine? It doesn't have to be a massive thing. It could be a small thing. You know, one of the things that I noticed in the NHS, <clears throat> and I love the NHS, I'm, I'm for it. I know we have our problems, um, but it's, I think we're privileged to have a country where we've got healthcare like this. So I'm not making a political statement here. But one of the things that I noticed was often the doctors would eat separately from the nurses and the, never the two should mix, okay? And one of the things that I realized quite quickly on was if I wanted to change the culture slightly, then it meant a lot if I went and sat with the nurses and had my lunch with them. So that's what I would do. In all of my jobs, I would try and sit and eat my lunch with the nurses and get to know the nurses and the healthcare assistants and and, and just be part of the team a bit more rather than taking myself off to the mess and and sort of spending time with other doctors. And... In one of the the GP practices that I did this in, I started and it felt a bit awkward, really. And I could see they were like, who is this? And why is she joining us for our lunch? It was all a bit weird, but I I tried to just push on through and I kept turning up. And sometimes I thought, oh, I've got so much to do. I could just sit in my room. But no, it's only 20 minutes. I'm just going to have some lunch with them. And then gradually, a few doctors joined the surgery and I knew one of them and uh, she started to come to lunch. And And eventually, we we had quite a nice lunch thing going on. People would bring cakes in, they'd bake. I never did that. I would just buy them. And, uh, (laughs) but um, I don't know. I just, it's not a massive thing, but the culture changed. Not that I would say that the doctors had any barrier, but, but any barriers that perhaps were there just got broken down slightly. And it was just a small thing but it changed the culture. And it meant, say, when I was on call with a nurse and she was having a bit of a bad time, I, I knew because she told me about what was going on with her daughter because we'd had connection. And it just changed the culture a bit. And so I'm not saying you have to do massive things. I'm saying, why don't you be a bit creative and think of imaginative things? What would Jesus do? And when I look at Jesus, often what he does is he gathers and he eats with people. So if you can't think of anything else, just eat with them. Yeah, just bring some food. If you can't bake, go buy. <laughs> it doesn't have to be massive of what I'm saying, but we can do small things that make a difference. They might feel a bit awkward at first, but if we persevere, I believe we'll see fruit from them. So maybe just be a bit creative and imaginative in your workplace. Here's something that's going to totally rock your world. Do your job. Do your job. I remember Simon and I sitting listening to Rick Warren once when he was talking about how to be transformed in your workplace. And his main point was, do your job. And we thought, this guy's supposed to be like a world-class speaker, and that is it. That's all he's got to give us. But then when he started to explain his point a little bit more, we sat there and thought, that is so true. 
See, sometimes we think we've got to go above and beyond and be this super duper person. But actually, if we just did our job, I mean, really did our job, our job according to our job description, and we did it with honesty, we did it with integrity, we didn't cut corners, we were polite, and we had a vague smile upon our face as we went about doing our job, we would stick out like a sore thumb in most of our workplaces. Because not many people just get on and do their job. And the Bible talks about work, and we're called to, I believe, work hard. So not just do your job, but work hard at it. You know, work in the Bible, this is where the theology of work comes in, is present before the fall. That's devastating news for some of you guys, because that means when we get to heaven, I believe we're going to have to work. Whoa. We've got to get our heads right when it comes to work. So half of the battle, really, I think, if we want to be a presence carrier, if we want to see culture change, start doing our jobs and do it well and work hard at it. Because as you start doing that and you say, well, I don't want to cut corners, I'm going to do it right, then other people will feel, oh, well, maybe I shouldn't cut a corner either. And, oh, because such and such does it like this, I need, I need to probably do it like that as well because that's the best way to do it. And gradually we see presence carriers become culture changers. So do your job. Pray. That's another thing that you can do. Maybe you're in the privileged position where you're not the only Christian at work. Maybe you could meet up with some other people and just pray one lunchtime once a week. I've heard of two people this week who in their workplaces have set up prayer meetings. That is a powerful thing to do. You know, you may not realize this, but my mum became a Christian. She was a governor in the local prison. She became a Christian through a workplace prayer meeting. Then my dad became a Christian. My dad's sister then became a Christian. Me and my brother were brought up in church. We became Christians. You know, my, my, my parents were involved in church planting. Lots of people became Christians out of that. All because of a few people in Wellingborough Prison who decided that they would just pray for the governor. You don't know the power that is within you. You're a presence carrier of Jesus. When you're in your workplace and you decide to do something like pray with a couple of people, it might seem mundane, but it's not. You just don't know what's happening in the heavenlies, so to speak. You don't know the fruit of what you do. It doesn't have to be massive. It can feel small, but it doesn't mean that it's not effective. So those are a few things. And finally, one of the things that um, I've really found to be useful in my work environment has been to encourage people. I said to you, about the NHS, and one of the things about the NHS is it's not always the most encouraging place to work. You don't always get sort of slaps on the back, hey, you're doing a great job. You just normally get told, hey, why have you not met this thing? Or, you know, this target you met last year, we're going to make it even more difficult for you to meet it this year. Or, or, you know, it's just not a place where there's time even to take it out and sit and talk to people and encourage people. And I mean, I studied here as well, and, and Cambridge is notorious for, you know, knocking every bit of self-esteem you could possibly have. I can't remember the last time I ever got a tick on any paper or anything. And I remember distinctly going to my DOS at the end of, uh, of my course and uh, director of studies, and he's like, yeah, I knew you'd do a great job. And I was like, you could have told me that. It's been six years. Like, thank goodness for Jesus, otherwise I'd be broken by now. Um, but, but the NHS sometimes is great, but in one particular job I was working in, in A&E, 
It was a six-month post, and I got three months in, and I remember, I remember exactly where I was, and I turned to my registrar, and I said, you have no idea who I've sent home. I have sent home all these patients for three months. They could have had all sorts wrong with them, and you, no one's checked up on me. They've just left me to do my own thing, and I said, it worries me. It worries me. Can I trust you that you trust me? And he looked at me as if to say, this is an overthinking female here. Um, but anyway, oh. Um, and he said, has anyone ever said anything to you? I said, no, no one said anything. That's the problem. He said, oh, no, that's not the problem. If no one said anything to you, you're fine. You're good. I said, that's, that's not encouragement. I said, that's how you operate. He said, yeah, no news is good news. No news is good news. Oh, OK, fine. He said, you'd know if something was wrong. And then he pointed somebody out and he said, see how they've always got another doctor around them? That's because there's something wrong there. They need a lot of support. What you don't realise is all of the consultants, although it seems like you've got a different one every day of the week, they all meet up, have a meeting about you. They time how long it takes you to see every patient. They look at all of your things. I had no idea any of this was going on. And I, I was supposed to just assume that no news is good news. But the thing was, all of the junior doctors were like, are, are we doing a good job? Are we all right? I mean, I have no idea how I'm doing. So then I fed back to them in an encouraging way that, well, if you've not heard, you're doing fine. Um, and then we went about our merry ways. And then at the end of six months in appraisal, we got told, oh, yeah, you've done a really good job. You're thinking, oh, if you told me that earlier, my life would have been so much better. I don't know about you, but a lot of our workplaces, I think, are really chronically deprived of encouragement. And I don't mean flattery. I don't mean good job. I mean specific encouragement. Hey, it was so good when you spoke to that customer. They weren't the easiest customer, but you maintained a real dignity. You really helped the company look good. You were really um, for them, but, but you did it so well. Encouragement, I think, can unlock so much individuals, and it is so, so lacking. Let's not be silly about worrying about over-encouraging people and people getting big heads. Something will knock them down, down the line. Don't worry about that. Just encourage people, because there's a chronic, chronic shortage of it. And although I said it was my final point about this part, I'm wrong. I'm sorry, I forgot the last one. <laughs> Another way that I think, and I shared this with the Academy students on Thursday, that we can really start to change our workplace is to really believe that people trump process. Most of our workplaces, including here as a church, we've got processes. We have to have processes. You know, we regularly get over 700 people now on a Sunday. Isn't that incredible? If we didn't have processes, it would be chaotic. People would fall through the gaps. We wouldn't get everybody. We've got to have decent processes. But we've always got to be mindful that those processes to, are to serve the people, not the other way around. And so often we can be in our workplaces that have so many processes that the, the person can get lost in the middle of it all. And if we can be individuals who always see other individuals, who always see the people in the process, then yet again, we will really start to carry, I believe, the presence of God and start to change the culture of our workplace. Because so many people just get processed along and it's almost as if the process takes on its own personality of itself and people bow to the process. And I'm all for processes, but sometimes a person won't fit in a process and that's okay. And it's in those moments when you and I as presence carriers can go in and we can say, hey, we can move heaven and earth to make this work for you because you're worth it, because you're a person, not a process, and people always trump process. So those are some really practical things if that is your world right now that you can start to change in your workplace. But the key is to understand who you are. And once you understand who you are, then your presence carriers, will, you will start to change your culture. 
But we started, didn't we, right at the beginning, talking about a Sunday to Monday disconnect. And we've talked quite a lot about what happens on our Mondays. But I just wonder also in the last few moments whether we need to think a little bit about what happens on our Sundays. We need to change our minds about our Mondays and realize that I am the common thread. I am the common denominator that that pulls all my life together. It doesn't matter about hats and compartments. It's about a whole body. But what about Sundays? Is there a way we can start to rethink Sundays that helps us through Monday? Sometimes we can look at Sundays as a little blip in our week. We come to church, we get a nice sermon, a good pat on the back, and off we go. But that is not our heart. Our heart is not that this would just be something you come to do as a a hobby in the week or something that makes you feel good. That's all good. We don't want you to feel terrible. So we've got something there, but, but that's not our heart. You know, we don't stand up on this stage because that's what we want to do particularly. If you knew me as a child, you would be shocked that I was standing here. I was the one child that never wanted to go up the front at church. I was like, oh no, don't get me up on the front. Hated it. I had a nan who was like a crazy extrovert, used to sing in a band, all that kind of stuff. And whenever we went to pantomimes, my birthday's near the panto, she always used to get my name read out. And they'd always try and get some dame, you know, whatever, would always try and get me up the front. And I used to spend the whole of the panto under the chair. I hated it. I just hated it. You know, we're not here, what I'm saying, as a team to to glorify ourselves. We're here to serve you. We're here because we believe there's more in you than you realize. We're here because it's not about Sundays. It's about your whole life. It's about laying down your whole life as an act of worship for God because of what he's done. He's done so much. He's worthy of so much more than we can give. But hey, what we can give is here. And so we put stuff on like discovery track, the clues in the name. We want you to discover more about yourself. We want you to discover more about God. Because when you know more about yourself and you know more about God, then you'll understand even more how you can affect the people that you're around. You'll understand even more about how you can change a culture. We do the deeper track. We do um, the academy and we're looking at the leadership track. All of it is because we really believe you're a presence carrier. If we didn't believe that you carry the presence of God Monday through to Friday and Saturday and Sunday, then what would be the point? We just meet on a Sunday, pat ourselves on the back and go home. But we believe, as it says in 1 Corinthians, that you are the body of Christ. Wherever you go, you carry Jesus. And so how can we serve you? So that's why we put these things on, not just to make us feel like we've got stuff on. Trust me, that's not why we do it. We put it on because we want to equip you. We want you to feel that when you're in a connect group in the middle of the week, you can look at other people and go, hey, how could we bring, be presence carriers in our village? How could we bring a presence carrier in your work? What, could, what do you do? Oh, you do, that's such a good idea. Maybe I could do something like that. That's the whole idea of it. You see, if we start to see church beyond a Sunday and we start to see it as as bigger than that, then we realize this. If you want to serve God in your workplace, serve God in your church. If you start to serve God in your church and you start to get stuck into the church and you start to avail yourself of all of the resources that are here, then I guarantee you, you will see a difference in your workplace. Psalm 92 says this, planted in the house of the Lord, you will flourish. I'm not asking you to do more things. If you go away feeling that, then you've not heard the heart of what I'm trying to say today. 
I'm asking you to think about the way you think about stuff. I'm asking you to change your mind on a few things. Change your mind on the way you view yourself. Change your mind on the way you feel disconnected from Sundays to Mondays. Change your mind about the way you are in your workplace. Change the mind about the way you are in church because they're all interlinked. We're called to be whole people who carry the presence of God in every single place we go. I just wonder if the band could come up for me now. We're just going to sing a final song, if I can just get you to stand. I don't understand how it works when you get even more planted in the church and it seems on the surface like life is busier. But God has this thing of, He has a godly level of maths. His maths is different from ours. And I've just found that the more you serve God and you want to lay your whole life down, the easier a lot of our lives become. And I really felt today that I wanted to speak to two kinds of people. I just really felt that God wants to speak to you who would say you're a Christian, but you're weary. You feel like your life has got so many balls that you're juggling and and you just feel disconnected and you just feel like you can't find the common thread. And in your head, perhaps, you know, yes, I know that Jesus is in me and I'm a presence carrier, but my life doesn't reflect that. Well, I want to give you an opportunity to just pray with you. So just pray that God would renew you, that He'd restore you again, that you would have a fresh insight into who He is towards you. That that disconnect from Sunday to Monday would just be a false disconnection. That you'd realise that it doesn't matter where you are, you carry the presence of God. Be that at the osteopath, Tesco's, church, wherever you might be, you're a presence carrier. Therefore, you've got the potential to change the culture. So I want to pray with you if that's you. But I also want to pray with some people here who maybe you've never really been in the presence of God. Or maybe it's a long time since you've been in the presence of God. And something that we've talked about today with regards to all that God has done to get to know you has just sparked something within you. And you've just realised, I need Jesus. I need this God who's going to wipe away my past, that's going to deal with my guilt, going to deal with my shame, going to deal with my condemnation, so that I can look at my future and I can enjoy my now, and I can seize my now and I can live with hope. Maybe today is the day for you to make that decision for Jesus. I want to give you an opportunity to pray as well. Let's sing this song and then we'll pray afterwards.